This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. On this episode, I'm going to be looking at COVID-19 and its effect on the NHL. We know the season is paused. What does this mean for the playoffs? What does this mean for the rest of the regular season? Scheduling. There's a lot to unpack here. I'm going to be objectively breaking down what realistic options the league has finishing the 2019-2020 season. This is Ice Analytics. Welcome to Ice Analytics. I am your host, Matthew Arp. This episode is going to be slightly different from the previous ones and my future podcasts. I'm sure you are all very tired of hearing about COVID-19, the coronavirus. But in light of recent events, especially around the NHL, I believe it is important enough to discuss the impact and the future this pandemic has on NHL operations. I'm sure you've heard a lot of analysis from a lot of people, and you're probably asking yourself, why should we listen to you? Well, I might not be the kind of doc that can help you with the outbreak, but I am the kind of doc that understands bargaining, interest groups, and policymaking. And that is going to be the lens through which I examine this discussion and provide you with some objective options for the future of the 2019-2020 NHL season. On a slightly lighter note, we are going to be continuing production of this podcast throughout the NHL pause. We are as in much limbo as you are as fans, as the league is, as the players are. So this is subject to change. But as of right now, tune in every Friday. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for the team podcasts because we're going to keep this show rolling with or without the season in action. All right, we need to address the elephant in the room, COVID-19. As I'm sure most of you are aware, the NHL has paused the season with the emphasis on pause, not canceled, indefinitely due to the COVID-19 virus. I know some folks were extremely disappointed at the time that this decision was made that hockey was going to be suspended, but we've had some time to process our thoughts on this and accept the reality that for right now, we're not going to have any hockey for the foreseeable future. And regardless if you believe that this decision was the correct one, this is the new reality we are in. There's a virus that's infecting thousands of people worldwide each day and hundreds more dying each week. It is uncertain when it will be contained and when it will be safe to resume hockey operations and if there will be a conclusion or any sort of finality to the 2019-2020 NHL season. I'm dedicating this podcast to exploring different options that the league has going forward, some of the pros and cons of each avenue, and what makes the most sense given what we know, which is not much. So as of this past Monday, the league announced that players may travel outside of their respective cities in order to self-quarantine, but immediately report any symptoms or testing results to the league. And these guidelines will last until March 27th, upon which time the league would consider opening club facilities and resume training activities with their team. Now, in one day, between Monday and Tuesday, the league changed their position slightly and said that they would not be able to provide additional guidance on the potential reopening of team facilities for an additional 45 days. 
So that means teams wouldn't even begin to start practicing until the first week of March, let alone begin playing games. Ultimately, the goal of the league is to finish the season and award the Stanley Cup. Bettman has gone on record to say that they're going to resume play as soon as it is appropriate and prudent so that we may be able to complete the season and award the Stanley Cup. Now, that seems a little vague and intentionally so because no one really knows what the landscape is going to look like tomorrow, let alone a week from now. I mean, look at how the league's position has changed in one day between Monday and Tuesday. The possibilities the league has for resuming the season and awarding the Stanley Cup are endless. Do you resume the right where the regular season left off? If not, how do you determine the playoff seating? At this point, is it even possible to award a Stanley Cup in a way that isn't tainted by this pause and this long break that players have had? In reality, these questions aren't even a decision the NHL can make in a vacuum. Individual communities, states, provinces, or even countries largely have the authority to dictate what is going to be allowed in regards to social distancing and large groups. The NHL is beholden to these restrictions, including those that limit the number of people gathered in a single venue, which will largely determine what realistic options the league has. As individual community standards change, it may allow an opportunity for the league to resume as soon as it is appropriate and prudent. This is the key for understanding what the league will do, or more importantly, when it can do it. The when is the most important variable because it will dictate the amount of time the league has and needs to provide some sort of finality to this season. Obviously, if the situation continues to worsen and social distancing measures are in effect until June, July, it's gonna make for a much more difficult situation for the league to resume this season without serious implications on the league's schedule next year. Not to mention, one interesting tidbit is the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, which are supposed to start July 24th and run until August 6th. We don't know if that's going to happen, but if that ends up happening, the Athletics' Pierre Lebrun has stated that the last thing the league wants to do is have the Stanley Cup during the Olympics. Which means you're going to have to have a cup final in August or it's going to have to be concluded by middle of, or end of July. So that's really setting a hard date of July 23rd is the final date that the playoffs need to be completed. Listen, I hope not just for the sake of argument here, but for the sake of all humanity that this is not the case. I'm making an assumption that by that point, the curve has flattened, restrictions have started to be relaxed, and the league has a reasonable amount of time to resume operations. Because if not, I mean, if we're talking about this to continue into July and August, um, I don't think there's any possibility that the league is going to be able to complete this season without serious implications and damage to next year's season. The alternative is accepting the player's proposal in which they resume the season at the end of July begin the playoffs after the Olympics, and then push the 2020-2021 season to November. So let's assume for a second things begin to work themselves out, things to begin, begin to improve worldwide. What are the realistic, plausible options that the league has if things do appear to be prudent and safe to resume operations, let's say in the next like two months? Well, first of all, option A is that the season resumes from the pause where it left off. This is obviously the best case scenario for the league. 
Unfortunately, it also requires the most amount of time. Teams will need to be able to practice, reacclimate themselves, and then have another three weeks to finish the regular season before starting the playoffs. If you take into consideration the Olympics and that conflict it would have, as well as the 2020 season, which was supposed to begin on October 7th, a pause lasting more than two months would not allow this to be a plausible option. Yes, you could shorten the offseason and delay the start of next season, but that is still going to require a rapid resumption of activities this year very soon, in like the next six weeks. And in light of the new developments this week, that they're not even going to provide guidance on the potential reopening for 45 more days, it means teams aren't even going to be able to start practicing until the first week of May. Even if they played in front of no fans, it's going to be very difficult to realistically pull this off given the time frame that we have. So I think we can safely say, given the circumstances, we can safely assume that this is not a plausible option. We are not going to be able to resume the season where we left off and play out the regular season and the playoffs. So moving on to option two, option B. The regular season is over and the league resumes with the playoffs. Oh boy, this one is by far the most complicated of all three options because of timing and because of seeding. And let's start with the seeding for a second. Do you use the current standings or do you use something like point percentage? Because if you use current standings, Columbus and Winnipeg would get in the playoffs because they played more games and have more points than Nashville and the Islanders. But is that fair? I've proposed using point percentage or points per game played, and that would award those spots to the Islanders and Nashville. Now, this is kind of a big deal, not just because of who makes the playoffs, but what about the New York Islanders' first-round pick that moved for Jean-Gabriel Pajot? While it's a top-three protected pick, this year, it isn't next year. Which pick does Ottawa get? Which pick did the Islanders have to give up? That's a big deal if you decide to use current standings versus point percentage. If we think about the playoff format generally, the only team statistically eliminated from the playoffs as of the start of the pause was the Detroit Red Wings. Every other team was statistically alive. If you don't finish the regular season and there are teams left out of the playoffs, like Minnesota, Florida, and the Rangers, who are very close to making it, they're on the bubble, I'm sure they're going to be disappointed that they didn't have an opportunity to make the playoffs, whether you look at current standings or point percentage. And don't even get me started about the 31-team playoff bracket that I've seen thrown around. I've also seen a 24-team playoff bracket thrown around the interwebs. First of all, the entire reason starting with the playoffs rather than resuming the regular season is to conclude the season in a reasonable time frame which is about two and a quarter months to play the playoffs. If you're going to have a 31-team bracket or a 24-team bracket, you might as well resume the season where you left off if you're going to expand it to like a March Madness style of bracket. Speaking of which, since I bring up March Madness, what's the elimination going to be? Is it going to be a best of three? Is it going to be a single game elimination? Is it going to be best of five? There's no way, even with an abbreviated playoff format, that you're going to have enough time to play all these games. 
And while this is very appealing to fan bases that had a low probability of making the playoffs, is it really in the best interest of the league to have a team that was probably not going to make the playoffs get lucky in one game or get lucky in two games and knock off a top-seeded team? Especially when everyone's coming off of multiple months of rest and, and are probably in not very good shape, the poor condition. It's very likely in a single game elimination series that a lower seed is going to get an upset. I mean, this is March Madness 101, right? I mean, what separates the hockey playoffs from March Madness, which is awesome in its own right, is the prolonged nature of a grueling seven game series. And you know what's great about a seven game series is that in the last decade, there have been so many upsets. There's been a team that has been leading 3-0 or 3-1 in a series nine different times in the last decade and lost that series. So shortening the series to like a five-game series or something more reasonable is going to increase the number of upsets and chaos because of how much parity there is in the league, which again, I think some fan bases would be pretty excited about, especially if that was in conjunction with a 24-team playoff. There's going to be a lot of upsets, but it also kind of punishes the cream of the crop, the Washingtons, the Tampa Bays, the Bostons, because they're going to be playing with the same amount of rest as everyone else. Everyone's going to be a little discombobulated because of the break. So we're going to see some absolute chaos in the in the playoffs, no matter what, but it's going to be increased with shorter series, bigger expanded playoff fields. So I'm not sure. And and again, like I said, a lot of this has to come down to timing. I don't think you can do all this stuff that you want to do on an abbreviated schedule. And this brings us to option three, option C, that the Stanley Cup is not awarded. It's a lost season. Things resume next year. Fresh start. This is by far the worst case scenario for fans, for players, for teams, for the salary cap, for everybody. There is so many repercussions with this one, including, but not limited to, what about the rental players that were traded at the deadline? What about the picks? If the cup is not awarded, should those picks be refunded to their original teams? Or should the players that were acquired as rentals have their contracts extended for an additional year? It's really not fair to teams that gave up a high draft selection for a rental player to not even have the ability to compete for the cup. But it's also equally unfair to sellers that got rid of players to acquire picks. This is honestly a nightmare scenario for all parties. The cup has been awarded every season with the exception of 1919 because of the Spanish flu outbreak and 2005 because of the lockout. You can't even compare the situation in 2005 because the lockout led to not having a season at all. And it's hard to compare 1919 to 2020 because the business is obviously much bigger. There's a lot more at stake financially. There's a lot more at stake. I mean, this is a business now. It's all grown up. It's a business. And speaking of business, all of these options are going to have a serious salary cap implication. Just a few weeks ago, the league announced that the cap would increase to potentially somewhere between 84 million and 87 million next year from 81 and a half. And that's obviously not going to happen now. In order to make revenue, the NHL generates so much of its revenue 
from ticket sales, which according to Forbes, accounts for 37% of all NHL revenue. If you factor in things like merchandise and concession sales, almost 75% of NHL revenue is from those sources. So it doesn't really matter if you resume the season and play in front of no fans because the TV deal isn't big enough to cover those losses. Bettman informed the league's board of governors that canceling the season would result in $1 billion in lost revenue. The playoffs make up roughly $250 million of hockey revenue, and the final 12 weeks represent another $100 million. So even if the league finishes the season with a truncated schedule, the loss of revenue might push the salary cap below the current $81.5 million. Now, we've seen this before, and the NHLPA has been prepared to agree to an artificial cap of $81.5 million, which is the same as it was this year. This is exactly what they did in 2011 and 2012 during the shortened season because of the strike. Obviously, this is better than the cap going down, but it does create a very difficult situation for both free agents that are trying to get paid and for teams that were budgeting a certain increase to spend on free agents and retain their free agents. So this offseason could be tumultuous for teams that are close to the cap or had a plan that they're not going to be able to uh, realize now. But let's not forget why we are doing this, right? There is a human element to all this, and that is it's the goal of the league. It's the goal of everyone to contain the spread of this virus. This is bigger than hockey. This is bigger than salary caps. This is bigger than any sport. But to think that the decisions that are being made today are going to have serious implications, not just on this season, but on future seasons, is real. In conclusion, my final thoughts on this are that the NHL has been extremely reactionary so far in its decision making. You know, they only decided to pause the season after Gobert tested positive and the NBA paused their season only after communities and states and provinces began to enforce social distancing by banning large groups of people. While there's a host of considerations, health, financial, and regulatory in nature, the NHL has an opportunity to be a leader rather than a follower in how to resume safe and prudent play, as Batman put it. And I think that it's going to require some real creativity. I mean, honestly, at this point, if they're going to play with no fans in the arena, you might as well have like all the players move in together, like to get like a, a Airbnb of like a mansion or something and uh, just have everybody move in. You, you have all the, the teams isolate together as a, in a group and then they go, they play their seven game series. You know, if you lose, you, you go home. If not, you know, you stick around the house. And if the NHL wants to make a little bit of money off it, you know, they could be running like a big brother NHL style uh, show and uh, essentially, you know, hey, look at all these guys growing it up. You know, they're, they're away from their families. They can't have contact with anybody from the outside world. And they're just eating and uh, sleeping and practicing hockey. That's their life for like two months. You can shorten up the, uh, shorten up the playoffs and play hockey. As soon as everyone's safe and quarantines and, and everyone's good to go, let's just do it. Let's just, everybody moves in, everyone's safe, rigorous testing, no contact with the outside world, boom. Let's just get some get some hockey on here. You know, six weeks from now, let's just do it. And we'll get a little Big Brother NHL 
addition on the side. So I don't know. That's my crazy suggestion. But uh, really and truly, I think the NHL has an opportunity to be a leader here. I think they've got a few different options, but uh, it's not a perfect world. It's not a perfect situation, and they're not operating it within a vacuum. There's a lot of other considerations that they need to factor in, and I think that we're going to see a very slow evolution. You never know one day to the next what's going to happen. I mean, by the time this comes out, they might they may have already canceled the season. And next week we'll resume our regularly scheduled programming, including topics such as goals above replacement, back to backs. And PDO, we got a good slate of analytics topics coming at you in the next couple weeks. Until then, be safe, stay healthy, and remember folks, drink and think responsibly. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Ice Analytics, your source for NHL stats and analysis hosted by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Ice Analytics, and you can find the show notes at www.statsenforcer.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to our feed and leave us a review.